We're very, very privileged uh, this morning to welcome uh, Try and Nancy Robinson. Try and Nancy, I'm not sure. We, I think we must have met over the years, but Try and Nancy have been part of the vineyard for like forever since it started, and um, it's a real privilege and an honour for us to have them here this morning. Um, they have been involved in pretty much anything and everything uh, from what I can work out. They've been involved in education. Uh, They, for some years, were missionaries uh, in a country very close to uh, our heart as a church uh, in Myanmar, uh, which is fantastic. They um, have gone back to the U.S. They have been involved in the vineyard. They've been on the vineyard board in the U.S., uh, working closely with John Wimber and all the other guys from way back. They started a church in Boise, Idaho, which uh, grew and was, um, has grown and been very, very successful. They were one of the churches that first really led the way, certainly in the vineyard, um, for things like creation care and looking at environmental sustainability. And they went right out there on a limb when that wasn't very popular or current in church circles. And so really led the way on that. They handed that church over. They, uh, before they handed it over, they started a thing called I-61 from Isaiah 61, which is an, a missional... Um, branch ministry which is reaching out to uh, mission mission and ministry right around the world Uh, they are now ranchers in Idaho um, in some idyllic landscape they're amazing why don't you welcome uh, Try It's a real privilege to have you. Let me just pray for you. Father, we thank you for this couple. We thank you for all the heritage that is on them. We thank you for all the wisdom that you've planted in them. We thank you for the blessing that they have been to the Vineyard Movement over so many years and to the wider body of Christ. We ask right now that you pour your Holy Spirit out upon him and you'd fill him with your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Neil, thank you. Wow. Neil just made me feel like really old (laughs) and tired. It is amazing that when you don't think about it, but then when somebody calls your attention to it, um, it is amazing how much water has gone under the bridge through all these years, and and what a privilege it's been, really. You know, serve in the vineyard all these years in all these different and unique ways, and um, I, I tell people, you know, I, I, I grew this mustache because uh, uh, I just, everybody was seeing me sort of as this grandpa figure in the vineyard. So I said, well, I might as well grow a mustache, be a grandpa mustache. And uh, so now I can uh, actually look my age because people were accusing me of being 30 or so. <laughs> so. so anyway, yeah, Nancy and I, uh, we are retired Pastors, now we handed the church in Boise down a generation through a seven-year process, um, very strategic process. The church is a pretty large church and pretty involved, and it was a, 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 it needed a, a process to hand it off, and, and uh, that went very successfully. The, the church is happy and healthy and still reaching into the community and doing all of the things that we set out to do in the beginning. And Nancy went, and I went up to um, a ranch uh, in the hills of, of uh, Idaho. Now, Idaho, a lot of people don't know where Idaho is. It's kind of in the northwest part of the country. And um, 
towards the, the top border hit, touches Canada. And so it's, a, it's kind of in a cold country. They say, actually, that if you ironed out Idaho, it would be as big as Texas. But it's actually a pretty small state, but it's extremely a lot of topography. It's a lot of mountains, and it's rugged, and uh, uh, it's a rugged. But because of the changes that are going on, especially in our nation, weather-wise, uh, and culturally as well, many are coming to Idaho. And so it's, a, it's actually the third growing fastest city and state in, the, in, our, in, in uh, the U.S. right now, which is good and bad. One of the things that Nancy and I do there is, is we have a sustainable farmstead. Like we try to grow all of our own food organically. We don't just do it for us, but we do it as a model for sustainability. Uh, Neil mentioned that you know in, early on I, I had this heart for, for bringing this value of creation care to the vineyard movement and, to, and really beyond the vineyard movement into American evangelicalism which was a, quite a chore, actually. I wrote a book years ago called Saving God's Green Earth, which I got fairly chastised for by American evangelicals. And, uh, but, you know, we pressed through that and, um, and continue to provide uh, our ranch as a model to people in the mission field and other people who, who really believe that we're in a kind of a crucial time as a as a world, and, uh, and it, it, it is a time where people need to become more conscious of the footprint and live with a smaller footprint, and I, I wrote a book once called Small Footprint, Big Handprint. The idea is downsize your life so you can upsize your impact on the world around you, and, and it, was a good, you know, it was a good theme, but uh, I wanted to practice what, Nancy and I always wanted to practice what we preach, so we went up and developed this this farm. And just recently, um, because something we'd wanted to do for a long, long time, but um, because of circumstances, uh, just this last summer, we, just, we decided to build this uh, prayer chapel up on a hill that overlooks the whole ranch. Uh, you know, in, um, in kind of the Celtic world, um, Christians believed that there were places that, uh, what they called thin places, that is, places where they would go in an effort, believing that it was a thin, thin between heaven and, and earth, and, and, and a, a place easier maybe to hear, hear God's voice. And so we, we dreamed that we could um, uh, develop this place as a thin place. And uh, so we went up and we, we started figuring out, Nancy and I went up there with a can of spray paint to figure out where, you know, where we were going to put it, you know, marking paint. And uh, right where we wanted to put it, there was, a, there was a huge, large rock there. And I go, you know, this rock is really an inconvenient spot because, uh, you know, this is where I was thinking of putting the foundation. And then in a, in a, in a time of prayer, the Lord spoke to us and said, I am the cornerstone, you know, I am this, the cornerstone of the church. And I thought, well, okay, um, we'll put it in the corner. And uh, th throughout the summer, Nancy and I went out and we started going to, you know, sometimes an hour, an hour and a half from the ranch, we'd collect rocks by the tons, fill our old pickup truck with rocks, bring it back. And we started building this. And here's the thing. I wanted to model the, the, this prayer chapel after prayer chapels I'd seen here in the UK. 
And, uh, you know, I thought, people just don't build things to last a thousand years anymore. And I thought, I'm going to build something that's going to last a thousand years. Because I had actually had, here in the UK and also in Ireland and even in Spain, we walked the Camino as a, in our retirement, we decided to walk the Camino Santiago Trail and saw these prayer chapels, these personal prayer chapels that people had built out of rock. And they were like, you know, a thousand years old or 1,200 years old or something like that. In America, like nothing's over like a, you know, well, 200 years old, like it's ancient. So I'm going to, you know, this will be around for somebody to wonder, like, what monk was up here on this hill or something, you know. I tell people I'm just a Protestant monk now. So we're building this, and even our our granddaughter, Hope, uh, who's now in YWAM at SBS and YWAM School of Biblical Studies, she... uh, She's come and helped, and the whole family now has sort of gotten into this. It's funny. They've all had vision for it. Uh, initially, it was Nancy and I, and now they come, and they're telling us how it all should be. And, uh, and so we, we've been working on this thing and challenging, you know, building out of rock, you know, arches over windows and doors and, 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 and uh, trying to really build it as if it, it was something you might see here in your countryside, but... Built, put a steeple on the roof, and Nancy is always laughing at me as I'm trying to stay alive um, in high places. You know, one of the things that, that uh, it, it, it was funny, because as we were building it, the Lord started speaking some stuff. You know, I thought, well, I have to have this all built, and then I'll get on my face, and then the Lord will speak, right? And, but meanwhile, well, you know, I'm going up there day after day after day, stacking rocks and mixing mortar and, you know, building this thing. And, and uh, it's just a, kind of a, you know, uh, kind of a tedious task, and you're just into it, and you just, and so your mind just is free. And the Lord started speaking to us a couple of things. Um, because, honestly, here's the thing. I believe that we are living in an extremely critical moment in Christian history, in human history. And uh, if you lived in the United States these days, uh, you would think so too. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult, difficult time. And it's really a difficult time, especially for evangelical Christianity, because there's a lot of confusion. And Especially, and I know you're, you're fairly well aware of our political climate, it has brought more division in our country than anything since probably our Civil War. Even families are being torn apart. Marriages are being affected because people's, through kind of this, the reality of the political choices and conditions, something very deep is emerging and that is a deep ideology in terms of what, what people really value and what they really think. No matter how they label themselves, Christian or non-Christian, evangelical or Protestant, Catholic, this thing is emerging based on what they're supporting. And it's confusing. And I'll tell you something, it's especially confusing to millennials because they're looking at the church and they are looking especially at evangelical Christianity and seeing that the present administration in our country is there because of evangelical Christians. 
It doesn't make sense to them. And it doesn't actually make sense to a lot of us. Maybe I'm a millennial with a mustache, <laughs> old mustache. And, and, and so in the midst of all of this confusion and, and frustration and, and, frankly, anger, you forget sometimes to focus on what's really important, and that's the Lord right now. And as a, as a Christian leader, all these years, there's one thing I want to know, and that is, Lord, what are you up to? Because it doesn't feel good, but I sense that you're up to something. Because you know what the good news is, is that God moves more powerfully in times of turbulence and darkness than when everything is status quo good. And we've had it pretty good in America for a long time. And people haven't had too many concerns. And as a result, they start thinking the most important thing is the economy and personal self-protection and their own personal rights. And things get pretty inward. And that is being exposed through the, through the season that we're in. And the Lord just said, you know, I, I want you out of Philippians 4 you know, be anxious for nothing but in all things. Through prayer and supplication, give thanks to God. But he, Paul goes on there, and he, and he says, you know, remember he says, um, he gives just this list in Philippians 4. Um, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy, he said. Think upon these things. And I realized I wasn't thinking on any of those things. I was just getting angry um, over the condition. And, uh, and so uh, I, Nancy, I, it was funny, in a, in a separate way, actually, it's like the Lord spoke to us and said, you know, I want you to post these things in this chapel. And when you walk in the door over the main, on a main beam over the door, I want you to write, think upon these things to remind yourself who you are and what you really believe and who I've called you to be so that you actually can make a difference and stand up in the midst of the turmoil that you're feeling. So the chapel was finished, and it was funny because it's not finished. I mean, it's still, in fact, I just got a sense of, set of really cool old hinges while I was here. It came off some castle or something, which is going to be on the front door. And I'm so happy because it came, it came out from England, you know. Uh, and they're real. They're like, you know, real old. So it, that was pretty cool. And, and we were praying. Uh, but we had the roof on, and it was kind of weathered in so that it, it could rain and all that and not hurt it. And, uh, and we went up there to pray just before we came here uh, to do this, these seminars and all this last week. And it's, as we were standing up there just looking at the chapel, this great incredible rainbow came over, the, came over it. And out of a, almost a clear blue sky, it was a double rainbow came over the chapel. And it was just like God's promise. God's promise for, I think, our time with you and just his promise for thinking upon these things. One of the things that the Lord said is that I want you to, to kind of recenter in this process. And the word he gave me was, return to the things you did at first. 
Return to the things you felt at first, to the way you conducted yourself at first. And I started thinking back to so many years ago uh, when Nancy and I first got involved in the vineyard and how excited we were to be in the presence of the Spirit and, and in the midst of a, a people that were so excited about Him and how that we just became sacrificial in our life and in so many ways I quit my job and we went off to the mission field in the middle of the you know, jungle of Thailand and, or Burma or uh, Myanmar and, uh, you know, and you just said you know, it's, it's, it's all about Jesus and we're just going to give our life to that in the context of that and God honored us for, for the, the, the little bit of sacrifices that we did make and, and literally led us into this uh, incredible journey for all of these years to watch the vineyard just evolve and change and come to the place that it is today. And I want to say uh, enough of the chapel. But the point being is that I, I think that we all need to say, God, you know, I, I, it's, it shouldn't, it's an old kind of prophecy, not a new kind of prophecy, but I might be kind of new prophecy for us. And that is, instead of just asking God for the immediate words for the immediate moment, which I think is important to do, words of knowledge and all, but actually ask him to show us 10 years down the road and what he wants so that we can now move in that direction before we get there. And we can actually build our churches in a way that will embrace what's coming instead of what's here. You know, since I, even since I've been here, there's a couple things, you know, in, in, in America. I wrote a book. Let me, go, let me say that. I wrote a book called Reform. It's re colon capital F, form. And what it, it speaks of a new form. A new form of Christianity, not Christianity, but a new form of the expression of, of Christianity through how we conduct ourselves, i.e. the church. And what would that new form be? And I can't tell you, I wished I could. The, 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 the book has three chapters. First is kind of a histor- historical overview of, of revival and evangelicalism and, and how it all, how there were cycles through history about, you know, that, the, and to look at some of the conditions of cultures during those times when God moved in the middle of a, generally a younger generation. And so my focus had been the millennials and wondering why they've been evacuating church by the hundreds, especially in our country. I don't know if it's so true here, but in our country, the, the millennial generation has literally left church because they're, they're not buying into the present form. And they're seeing church as political, especially in our country. They're seeing it as, a, as a, an agency that's political and uh, is controlling and so, as a result, they haven't seen it as, a, a, you know, something for them. Well, so it, it speaks of this, of the conditions historically. So the first chapter, there's three chapters in the whole book. It's a very short book. Uh, what was, then what is, and it talks about the present condition of the world and, and the condition that, that society is facing right now and the millennials are facing. And, 
And third, what will be, which is a prophetic look at maybe the new form. And um, there's a couple of things that uh, in the, and the, well, let me say this, the subtitle of the book is The Decline of American Evangelicalism as an Old Form and a Path for a New Generation to Reform Their Faith. And so the book is really a book of hope. It's a book of hope for a new emerging generation to just catch on fire for Jesus. But the whole idea is, is that the form that they take of faith, that expressing their faith, will probably look very different. And so I ask, I'm asking the Lord, and, and one of the purposes of this chapel was to, to have a, a, a purposeful place, a hopeful thin place to go and say, God, what's that going to look like? Because you know what? I don't want to miss it. Because one of the characteristics in church history is that the old form actually persecutes the new form, pushes back on it, which has been characteristic of all church history. And in our country, there's certain things that you can't talk about in church, in an evangelical church. It's funny. I love being here because I feel a great freedom here to say all kinds of stuff I wouldn't say at home. You can't talk about climate change. You, you really can't talk about immigration. And you surely can't talk about population and population growth. They're almost like a taboo subjects in evangelical churches, which I know I'm, I'm having people go, look at me sideways. It's just, and there's a reason for all of that because all of those things to many evangelicals smacks of extreme liberalism. And so to push through that as an evangelical leader all of these years has been very difficult. But these things need to be talked about. And the church needs to be on the front line of these, of these conversations. Just the last couple of weeks, we've seen the UN report on climate change and what we used to think was a, a cliff coming 50 years from now, they're saying is now 12 to 20 years from now. And the ramifications of what that means to a population in terms of hunger, and famine resulting from, from famine because of, uh, you know, flooding in some areas and extreme drought in other areas. I mean, I know that's true in the United States. What it means in terms of migration and immigration, I mean, they say that there's going to be 53 million climate immigrants or m people migrating to higher ground and to safer places and I know that's already true in our, in our country. I, I've watched it. We've had 10 record-breaking hurricanes this year already. Billions of dollars worth of damage to people, some of whom have already lost their home twice and have rebuilt it and said, I'm not doing it a third time, and they're coming to Idaho or someplace safe. So it's having a huge impact in so many ways, an endangered species. And, and the, you know, probably you read it here in London. I just read it here in London that 60% that 60, 60 of mammals have been lost on planet Earth since 1970. That's over half, of course. I guess that's pretty obvious. That's scary. The world's in trouble. As Paul said, all creation is groaning, you know? And uh, it's a result of man's sin. 
saying, I want mine and I want it now and I'm going to exploit everything I can get. You know, cut down the trees and exploit the oil and pollute the water and, and the world is getting less and less sustainable. So the question I ask then is, Lord, what, what does that mean for me as a Christian? Should I just like freak out and panic and get depressed and find a cave and crawl in it or go into a survival mode? And the Lord has clearly said, no, now is the time to be a trumpet, to blow this horn and shout the alarm and tell the church it's time to get ready to take care of people and to be on the front lines of the crisis and to be a part of what he's going to do on the earth, I believe, even in major revival in a new generation and not miss it because you're complaining and you're fearful and you're angry and you're all the things I've been. I want to just walk uh, through a passage of Scripture um, with you real quickly here in 1 Peter. I just think it's helpful. Get God's counsel on, on these thoughts. I'm going to pick up in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So Paul starts here, or Peter starts here, and he, he, he just talks about, you know, having alert minds, and I think, and be, being sober-minded. And, and to me, that is, Jesus used those very words all the time in, in, in his dissertation on the last days. He said, be alert, be sober-minded, be aware, watch out, be, you know, so that when this stuff comes, you won't be caught unaware. Jesus said that. And, and literally, Jesus in, in Matthew 24 literally describes a lot of the conditions that we're, we're facing today. And one of which is that uh, the love of many will grow cold, he said. And I, I, that's something I really fear. I fear it in the church because what I've seen is that even in my own self, I, 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 watch, I turn on the news every day and there's another disaster or another shooting or there's no, you know, another crisis of some kind and, then, and lately it's been hurricanes, flattening people and, and, and massive wildfires, record-breaking wildfires in the west of the United States. Never, I mean, worse than anything in our history. And you know what? I get tired of watching that. I go, oh, another hurricane. Another, you know, thousands of people just lost their homes. And it's like I realize I'm, I'm, I'm just getting, it's getting to be the norm. It's the new normal. And I go, Lord, don't let me, don't let my love grow cold. But let me love more in this hour when people are needing, you know, the church to be lovers of people more. Return to what you did at first. Paul says that, you know, you've got to set your hope on the grace you first received. And in in that, you know, that moment that you gave your life to Christ at one point, go back to that. 
go back and say, Lord, would you revive those, uh, the, you know, those emotions and those feelings and that privilege I, I used to feel like as, as a Christian in those early days that I would I literally give up my job and go serve you. Let me go back to that, Lord. And let me be holy as you are holy. Let me, let me walk out this thing with holiness and not fear and anger and bitterness and rage. But practice the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let that be who I am, Lord, in the midst of this. That I might be your representative in this hour. Paul goes on, he says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver and gold and a, and a good economy that you were redeemed from the, empty way, uh, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with, precious, with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believed in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God, not in the economy, not in this world, but in him. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from your heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. It's interesting, he says here, you know, don't, you, you live out your life as if you're an immigrant. And I think that that's without entitlement, without feeling like this is all mine and I'm going to protect it. Because right now it's not a time for the church to build walls. It's a time for the church to build bridges. It's a time for the church to open its arms to this broken world that's increasingly suffering. I'll tell you something. I got a tour of your facility here today and, and, and just got a look at what you're doing. And, and then, of course, the announcements today and the things. This is your heart. And I think it's, I think it's unique in the fact that you don't own your facility. You rent, you're, you're mobile. You're, you're free to move. I really think that's a, 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 you know, I think that's an ingredient in what I'm calling the new form that your money isn't going into bricks and mortars, but into ministry. God bless you. Not focused on perishable things, but imperishable. You know, the thing that will get us through this is to maintain an eternal perspective. Not looking at the moment and your own personal security, but knowing that your security is in heaven. It's eternal. It'll bring a lot more peace than, than thinking you've got to hang on to everything. I got a big mess right here. A lot more to say, but let me go on. For all people, this is verse uh, 24, for all people are like grass. And all their glory is like flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, 
but the word of the Lord endures forever. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. Like newborn babes, babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You know, I think that the, the thing that strikes me in this is that life is a breath. And it's such an incredible privilege to have been living on this earth and to be given this great privilege to be created, you know, by God to be here and not just be here, but be here right now and to be a participant with him in this moment, knowing that life is, it's like grass. It goes by. And not a day should be wasted. And we use everything, use the gifting God has given us and the, the, you know, the, the purpose that he's given us. Think upon these things. Paul says, put them into practice. This is the expression of grace in a season of, of difficulty and trial. What is true, what is noble, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is excellent and praiseworthy. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, Paul, uh, Paul says, or seen in me, put it into practice. Let it be, Lord. Let us practice these things in this time, in this moment, that we might be the church that will embrace, I think, what's coming. Not freaking out, but rejoicing because, you know, we have an eternal view. And I believe that we're going to get to experience some great miracles in these, in these months and years ahead. And I think that the key, really, honestly, and this is kind of the, my, my bottom line, is that I think that the, the church for this, for the season that's coming, for the new form, the key ingredients of those church, besides the cross itself, and knowing who we are in Christ is really expressing him into this world through compassion, justice, and mercy. That we will be agencies of compassion, justice, and mercy on the front lines of a world that really needs a Christian people with hands and feet. So it's been a great privilege to be with you guys and uh, to hear about you and to know, really, even walking around your facilities today, I, you know, I just see the expression of your heart, that this is you, and it's, it's who you want to be. So God bless you for that. I just, if there's anything that I have as an old vineyard guy, maybe really old, like maybe one of the oldest, is way to go. God bless you. You're doing, you're doing wonderful. Let's stand.